Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. This is the month of September, and we're continuing our celebration of five years of ministry here at Abundant Life Worship Center. And today we have a special message by Pastor Lane Hawkins, the pastor of Neighborhood Baptist Church in the city of San Francisco, California. Today he ministers a message titled, A Matter of the Heart. Listen in, take notes, and I'll be with you at the end of the broadcast. They didn't leave them on the battlefield. They actually would take their shield, lay their shield down, and put the wounded person on the shield, and then they would carry him out. You see, your shield of faith is to help someone else get through when they can't, when they don't have enough faith to get through themselves. So look at your name and say, are you my brother for this adversity? (laughs) Or my sister for this adversity? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm trying to, uh, uh, just trying to just fl- feel where the flow is right now. Um, I know you guys have to leave at a certain time, so if I'm still going, you got to leave. I'll see you next year. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I, was in, I was in Mississippi doing a conference once, and I was up ministering for about an hour and a half. And I was like, okay, guys, I got to sit down. They still said, no, Pastor, keep going. I said, no, I'm tired. I got to sit down. I'm tired. Um, but anyway, God is good. Amen. God, God is good. You know, I, I love your theme, Pastor Derry. Um, purpose, power, and potential. Living unleashed. Is that, is that a part of it? Or? She, threw that, she threw that in. But I like that because, because, you know, when you live in purpose and in power and you maximize your potential, you do live an unleashed life. You do live an unleashed life. Um, so God bless you all for that, uh, just for that, that theme. And, and I want to thank the band for helping my daughter out today. Amen. I, I almost cried when I saw her up there with the band. Um, uh, amen. So let, let, let you guys ready to dive into this? All right, let's go. Proverbs chapter number four. Proverbs chapter four. And um, tell you guys this quick story. Uh, country church was having a baptismal you know back in the country they didn't have pools at lakes right so anybody ever been been to the lake and and the real story is take me to the water that's where that kind of comes from because they it wasn't no where you got room temperature it was cold and uh, so one day they were having a, a, a lakeside baptismal and the church was was nice and baptismal service was going on and a drunk happened to stumble his way into the baptismal service and he just walked up right beside the pastor, and the pastor says, do you want to be baptized? And he said, yes. And so the pastor got him into the water and dunked him down. And the drunk was there, and he came back up. He said, my brother, have you found Jesus yet? And he said, no, pastor, I ain't found him yet. The pastor dunked him again. <laughs> brought him back up. He said, did you find Jesus this time? He said, no, I ain't found him this time either. Pastor dunked him a third time, held him up under there just a little bit longer this time. And the pastor brought him back up, drunk, wiped away his eyes. And the pastor said, my brother, did you find Jesus? That drunk, wiping his eyes, says, are you sure this is where he fell in? Purpose, power, and potential. Wonderful words. 
powerful words. In some cases, maybe a little redundant. Potential and power, kind of redundant words. It basically means the same thing. Um, purpose is, is also kind of in there because it, when you live out your purpose, you're living a powerful life. So kind of a triple redundancy, but that's good. But I want you to know that just having sayings isn't good enough. Amen. And many people struggle in their Christian life. We have a lot of sayings. We, we can raise our hands and say, hallelujah, hallelujah, speak in tongues and all the wonderful things. But we go to church Sunday after Sunday. We come to Bible study and do all the wonderful things. But yet we're living a leashed life. Our lives are still tethered. They're still tethered. And the reason why they're tethered is because our heart's been broken. Jesus says in Luke chapter 4, he said, I've come to heal, what? The brokenhearted. But yet many of us have our hearts, we're saved and love God, but our hearts are still broken. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says it this way. Keep your hearts. I love the New King James says, guard your hearts with all what? Diligence. Why? Out of them flows the issues of life. He says, keep your heart. Your heart's extremely important to you. Your heart is extremely important to you. Now, I'm not referring to the heart that's beating in your chest, right? This, this thing of flesh. I'm not referring to that. I'm referring to the person who is the real you. I'm talking about the heart of your soul, the heart of your being, the heart that communicates with God. And many of us have been wounded. And we get saved and we never let the wounds heal. Our hearts have been broken. And we guard our hearts not from being not to be mended, but we guard it for not being broken again. And so we live life. That, that word issue could better be translated boundaries. Now watch this, read it this way. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the boundaries of life. So where your heart is, is an indication of how free you really will live. Let me try to say that one over here. Where your heart is, is really an indication of how free you will really live. Because your heart sets the boundaries. And so you, got, you, 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 you had your heart broken and so now you created a boundary because you never want to have your heart broken again. But I want to tell you, not only will you not have your heart broken again, you may very well limit yourself from being healed again. Anybody ever heard of a person who broke their arm and it healed, but it healed improperly? And what does the doctor have to do? Rebreak it in order for it to heal correctly. So you had your heart broken, so you guard it now because you don't want to have it broken again. I'm never going to love that way again. And God is saying, come, I want to love you. And go, I'm never going to love that way again. God is saying, I really want to pour out my life to you. I want to love you. You're saying, God, I'm never going to love that way again. So while someone here on earth broke your heart, now you have a limited heart when it comes to affection to God. Amen. Are y'all with me about myself? So God is saying, I want to fellowship with you. But you're saying, but God, my heart is broken. And he's saying, I know. That's why I want to fellowship with you. I want to heal the broken heart. But in order to heal the broken heart, you might have to go through some breaking again. Remember the thief on the cross? Right? There were two thieves on each side of Jesus. One says, one says to him, he says, if you're the son of God, get us down from here. And the other says, 
Lord, when you come into your kingdom, do what? Remember me. He says, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. I'm going to try to say it this way. When you come into your kingdom, remember me. Did you guys catch that? When you come into your kingdom, remember me. My life has been broken, God, but when you get to your kingdom, you have the ability to put the broken pieces back together again. God, you've got to remember me. My life's been broken, and all of us have had some, broken, some things that have broken and shattered our lives. But it's only God that can bring the healing and can remember us. Listen to this story. This is what a broken heart looks like. This is a, this is a true story. Um, this is an, an actual obituary. Uh, Kathleen Benlow shrunk. Uh, was born March 19, 1938, to Joseph and Gertrude Shrunk of Wasabo. I don't know where Wasabo is, but it must be a place. She married Dennis Bimlow at St. Anne's in Wasabo in 1957 and had two children, Gina and Jay. In 1962, she became pregnant by her husband's brother, Lyle Bimlow, and moved to California. So y'all get the picture here, right? She abandoned her children. This is in the newspaper. This is in the newspaper. I got the clip from the newspaper. She abandoned her children, Gina and Jay, who were then raised by her parents in Clements, Mr. and Mrs. Joseph Shrunk. She passed away on May 31st, 2018 in Springfield and will now face judgment. She will not be missed by Gina and Jay, and they understand that this world is a better place without her. Broken heart. Gina and Jay had a broken heart, and they never moved past the pain of their brokenness. It became a limit for them. And likewise, many of us, we may not be to the extent of Gina and Jay, but we have our own things that we put limits on, and our heart never really recovers. We can never really get as close to God as we want because of the brokenness. Or, or the things that are going on in our lives, we never seem to, to overcome. We never seem to really move past. Why? Because of the brokenness. So we try and fast it out. We try and pray it out. We have pastors slick us down with so much oil that we stick us into an oven where we'll just cook. Right? We, we get lathered on. We get prayed over. We get prophesied over. And we leave, we leave this place. And we go home and to the same fight, the same struggle, the same situation. And then we go, God, why? God says, the problem is not that you're not getting lathered down. The problem isn't that you're not seeking hard enough. The problem is you're not letting your heart get healed again. The problem is that your heart is still broken. Are y'all with me? He says here, guard your heart. With all diligence. Interesting. This verse really tells us what. Right? It says guard your heart. Tells us what to do. Guard your heart with all diligence. It tells us why to do it. Because out of your life, out of your heart flows the issues of life. But what it doesn't tell us is why to do it. Why should you guard your heart? It tells you what to do. It tells you, I'm sorry, it tells you why to do it. It doesn't tell you how to do it. So how do you guard your heart? So we want to explore that today, okay? How do you guard your heart? You guys with me? All right, all right. Uh, here, let me give you some reasons why you should guard your heart. Number one is it determines the limits of your life, and I actually talked about, talked about that in Proverbs chapter 4. It says it sets the issues of life. There are two ways that limits are created in our lives, two ways. One is out of fear, and the other is out of pain, okay? 
Fear and pain are, are indicators of where boundaries are created. You're afraid to move forward in life. You're afraid to go for that job. You're afraid, uh, afraid of, of whatever it is that's outside of you. And then you're afraid of the pain. Fear and pain are the two indicators that there are limits of your life. Number two is your heart is the belief structure. Your heart sets your belief structure. Matthew chapter 11 says it this way. I'm, I'm, I'm probably flow with me a little bit. Matthew 11 verse 23. It says, it says this. It says, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Does not doubt where? In his heart. See, we focus a lot on what you say. It's not only just what you say, it's what you believe. And it's what you believe that's based upon your heart. So I can say the Lord is good, but if, if I don't believe it in my heart, no matter what I say, the Lord ain't good to me. Just because I say I'm a car doesn't mean I'm a car. I can go stand in the middle of my garage and say I'm a car, I'm a car, I'm a car. Doesn't make me a car. So it's not just what we say, it's how we believe what we say. Romans chapter 10 says, it's for the heart man believes unto righteousness. So you got to guard your heart because your heart is your belief structure. It is the core of what you believe. And so if the enemy can get you off track that you believe improperly, you will live improperly. If you believe God won't come, for, come through for you, you will act like he won't come through for you. If you believe that God can't heal you, you'll never ask to be healed. If you believe that God can't save you, you'll never ask to be saved. So we got to have the right structure in our heart. Are y'all with me? Your heart reveals who you really are. Proverbs 27, verse number 19. It says this. As in water, face reflects face. So a man's heart reveals the man. Proverbs 27, 19. As in water, face, face reflects face. So a man's heart reveals the man. You can dress it up, make it look good, but if your heart ain't right, doesn't matter how, how you put makeup on it or how you dress it, if your heart's not right. See, we've been looking a lot at the external. That's why the Bible says that God looks at the heart. God doesn't look at the external. He looks at the heart. See, your heart's the place where you commune with God. That's why you got to guard it. You got to guard it because that's the place where God fellowships with you. You got to guard it because that's the place God speaks to you. You got to guard it because that's the place where God then wants you to do great things in your life. And it all starts in your heart. It doesn't start in your head. Let me, let me see if I can say it this way. There are many decisions we make based on information. There are many decisions we make based on information. But there are more decisions we make based on formation. to you again. There are many decisions we make based upon information. What is information? Information is something on the outside coming in. But there are more decisions we make based upon what's already inside of us. That's the formation part. You've already been formed. Now you're making decisions. You can have information come in, but it doesn't matter. I have been formed on this already. So if your heart's messed up, no matter what information comes in, you're going to make a decision based upon your formation. God is good, but my formation says, yeah, but where was he when my mama died? 
God is good, but where was he when the bank foreclosed on my house? God is good. Where was he when my father, when, when my baby's daddy walked out on all his kids? God is good. And all of the information says something different, but because of the formation, it doesn't matter what the information says. So that's why we got to guard our heart, because your heart begins to make the real you. It begins to create and develop, and you begin to form. Notice I said you begin to form. You were born, but you weren't formed. You were formed by what's, what's been transpiring in your life. All the struggles and the pain and, and all the heartache and all the victories. It, it's amazing that in church, we, we, we had a victorious time now in church. Every, every song is about victory. I got the victory, yeah. But then we go right outside and live defeated. We go right outside and we live defeated. Why? Not because we don't have the victory, because we don't believe we have the victory. Because our heart still says, I don't have the victory. No matter what you go through, if your heart is, if your heart is on good foundation, regardless of what you go through, you know God's going to make a way for me. I may not know when it's going to come through. I may not know how it's going to come through. But the one thing I know for sure, God will come through. He showed up for me last year. He'll show up for me this year. And if I make it to next year, he'll show up for me next year. Why? Because he is God all by himself. He is faithful. He is just and he is righteous. And the Bible says, I've been young and I've been old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. So if you're the righteous, if you are a seed of God, he will come through for you. Say amen, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, he will come through. He will come through. Listen, the heart, your heart is the garden of your life. Write that down. Your heart is the garden of your life. And what do you do with garden? You plant things, don't you? And then everyone else kind of reaps off the garden. Everyone else kind of eats off the garden. I was cleaning my backyard one day. And my neighbor has some serious rose bushes. And they had crossed over into my property. But they didn't go over the fence. They went under the fence. They didn't create roots and stuff. So I got back in my backyard, and I'm cleaning up all of these weeds, these rose bushes. And then I noticed, I said, God, where is this stuff coming from? And I looked in the back, and I looked in the back corner, and I said, ah, oh, there, my neighbor. So... Um, I'm cleaning them up, and one, I take a note, I take a, I don't know why, but I just look back again, because I noticed that I had the thorns on my side. She had the roses on her side. Yeah, y'all missed that. I had the thorns on my side, she had the roses on her side, and then God spoke to me, says, don't let your blossom be a thorn in someone else's life. Don't let your blossom be a thorn in someone else's life. If my heart's right, I will blossom no matter where I am. <laughs> the, your, your, the, your, your heart is what? The garden of your life. It's where everything grows, right? It's where everything grows. Turn, get to Judges. I'm going to move on. Judges. Real quick, I'm going to show you this. How does the devil attack your heart? How am I doing? It's only been five minutes, so I guess I'm good. <laughs> Judges chapter 16. I want to show you how the devil comes and attacks the heart. How many of you guys would be interested to see that? Amen. Amen? You guys would be interested? Okay. Judges chapter 16, verse number 16. And it came to pass 
I'm reading from the New King James. When she pestered him daily, what did she do? She pestered him, how often? With her, what did she do? She pestered him, now I'm not talking about anybody's wife in here, but she pestered him daily with her words. She pestered him daily with her words. She pestered him. What does it mean to be pestered by? It comes from the root word of a pest. A pest is a little thing that just gnaws and gnaws. And Anybody ever have a mouse in your house? It just gnaws and scratches. You go, I got to get rid of this. It just gnaws and scratches. She pestered him daily with her words so that his soul was vexed to death, verse 17, that he told her all his heart. Two things the enemy does. Number one, he pesters you. He pesters you daily with his words. Now understand, words are seeds. Words are seeds. Let me say it again. Words are seeds. And so if your heart is the garden of your life, what is he trying to do? He's trying to plant seeds in your garden to get a fruit that you don't want. So she, he pestered, she pestered him daily with her seed. With her seeds. And she pressed him. Can I say it this way? She oppressed him. The enemy does two things. The one he pesters you, you ain't going to make it. You ain't ever coming out of this. Look at what you just did. How's that going to work? You ain't got the right money. You ain't got this. You ain't, how's that going to work? And you wake up the next day, you ain't going to make it. That ain't going to work. How's that going to work? Until pretty soon, the thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to what? Destroy. I want you to understand the process. Is that it's the, the, the destruction process comes is greatest when it's self-destruction. When he plants the seeds, the fruit begins to grow. And now it becomes self-destruction. So now you're defeating yourself before you even get started. And you're trying to chop down a tree, but you're dealing with the fruit of the problem, but you're not dealing with the root of the problem. You're cutting down bad fruit, and you're saying, I got to get rid of this fruit. So Pastor prayed, I got rid of this fruit. And we're and we good. When we come out, we're good fruit pickers. Amen. We know how to pick the fruit real good. We pick the good fruit, or we pick the fruit off, and we, we make sure the tree is bare. But we never deal with the root of the problem. The root was that you got some bad seed somewhere. And it infected your heart. And now your heart's believing a certain way. And now you're responding a certain way. And you're not giving the things that you're looking for. Not because you're a bad person, but because you got bad seed when you were a kid. And now it created a tree. And now the fruit is coming. And so let's stop dealing with the fruit and let's get to the root. Because if I deal with the root, the fruit will be taken care of by itself. <laughs> I'm making any good sense. All right, here we go. She says it, he pestered her. Or she pestered him, and she pressed him. He told her all his heart. I like the message Bible says it this way, verse 17. He spilled it. The message Bible said he spilled it. He gave it all. He gave up all that was in his heart. 
because he was tired of being pestered and tired of being pressed. So guard your heart with what? All diligence. Why? Because the enemy is trying to pester you and he's trying to press you. The word diligent, it means be, to, to, to be uh, uh, on it, to not let anything slack, not let it go. Well, that's just that. That's just him. No, you've got to be on the job 24-7. All right, I got to move on. I got to move on. I got to move on. I got, I got to get somewhere. I got a couple of things. How does a, there's a process to your heart getting broken, right? And I'm going to give this to you real quick. There's a process to your heart getting broken. Number one, it's trouble. John chapter 14 says this. Let not your hearts be troubled. The first indication that you're heading towards a broken heart is when you're in trouble. Now, the key is not that you're in trouble. It's what you do when you're in trouble. Are y'all with me? In this world, you will have tribulation. So we all got trouble. The key is what do you do when you're in trouble? Right? So if you don't deal with trouble properly, it leads to the next step, which is hopelessness. So you got trouble, which means agitated, and then when you don't deal with it properly, you become hopeless. Here's what uh, Proverbs 13 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desires come, it's a tree of life. So you're in trouble, you don't deal with it properly, then you become hopeless. There's no way out for me in this. An indication of hopelessness, Pastor Tammy, is this, I got to do it my way. When you say, I have to fix this, you're hopeless. Your hope is not in God. Your hope is in you. Y'all mighty quiet today. <laughs> Y'all mighty quiet. You got trouble. You got hopeless. And then the next stage is you get weighed down. Here's what Luke 21 says. But take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. And that day come on you unexpectedly. You get weighed down. People that are weighed down turn to other things. You turn, you turn to a drug. You turn to an addiction. You turn to something. When your heart's weighed down, you turn to other things. Because you're looking for hope. Because you were in trouble. <laughs> Y'all missed that. It starts out with trouble. And then it goes to hopelessness, and then your heart gets weighed down. And so you start doing other things because there was no hope because you were in trouble. So you try and find the answer to your trouble. It ain't in the bottle. It ain't in the joint. It ain't in anything else. It's in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hope of your trouble is in Christ himself. Amen, Amen somebody. Amen. All right. Then the last stage, because I'm, I'm trying to work somewhere, guys. The last stage is this. So it goes from, what's the first step? Trouble. Trouble. The next step is hopelessness. The next step is weighted down. The third or the fourth, and I believe the fourth step to a broken heart is this. Proverbs 15, 13. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is broken. Sorrow. See, the progression is real simple. You're in trouble. Trouble then leads to hopelessness. Hopelessness then leads to you get weighted down. And when you get weighted down so much, you go, this is it. I'm done. You become sorrow of heart. The cycle's been completed. Your heart's been broken. But I'm not going to leave you there. Because he came to heal the brokenhearted. You may have gone through all, the, all four of those, but God is still able to heal the brokenhearted. Amen? Now, let me tell you, let me, let me get to the place I really wanted to get to. Is how do you guard it? How do you guard your heart? 
right? How, how do you guard? Because that's what really I started, the premise of what I talked about. How do you guard it? Number one, you guard your heart by being diligent. It means to take uh, uh, special care and effort. Keep your heart with all diligence. Corinthians says this, you should cast down every vain imagination. When something comes in, the moment that seed has been planted, you've got to pluck it up. So I, I think I told you guys the last time, I don't, one of the things that I just detest the most is uh, yard work. I don't do yard. I just don't. It, it's just, it, no. <laughs> no. So I, I have a guy coming in, and, and he came and cut my yard, and he goes, he said, man, how come you don't take, care, take, take advantage of the rain? I said, what? Man, cut my grass. <laughs> he said, how come you don't take advantage of the rain? I said, what do you mean? He said, plant your grass seed in the rain. He says, when it's raining, that's when you plant your grass seed. In, in my time when I was trying to study, uh, I was trying to, I was, I was literally looking at trying to do my yard. I started studying how, how to take care of weeds because I wanted to make sure I was doing it right. And the best thing, I think I shared this with you guys last time, the way that you really take care of weeds in your garden is the root structure of the grass has to be healthy. When the root structure is healthy, it doesn't provide any room for the weed seed to grow. So if you got weeds in your garden, it's because your root structure is not solid. Y'all missing that. Your heart is the garden of your life. If there are weeds growing in your garden, it's because the roots of your faith ain't tight enough. And you got to learn to take advantage of the rain. You got to learn to take advantage of the storms. You got to learn to take advantage of the trials. You got to learn to take advantage of every situation you go through. And, and when the enemy is trying to pluck uh, plant seeds of doubt, no, you got to replace it with seeds of faith. You got to replace it with seeds of joy. You got to replace it with seeds of hope. You got to replace it with seeds of, I'm going to sing, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will rejoice. I, I, I share with my church last week, I said, we got to learn to worship when we're going through. I'm not talking about singing a song because worship doesn't necessarily mean singing a song. We focus on singing a song, but God wants us to worship. Worship is a response to the call of God saying, come into my presence. So when God shows up, you're in the middle of your trial, and God says, I want you to come to my presence. Don't you sit back and go, God, I don't know the song. You better say, God, here I come. And we're going to have a worship service. I don't know all the words. I don't know what to say because worship is a response to his presence. The Bible says this, that in his presence, that it begins to rain. When, it, when you're in his presence, it will begin to rain. In his presence, the mountains are moved. You got to respond to his presence when you're going through. Just because you're going through doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. Amen, somebody. Just because you're going through doesn't mean that God is not with you. God is still there. He's right in the middle. And he's simply saying, just point to me. Come over to me. Come to me, and I will make it all right for you. Ah, you got to be diligent. got to wait on the Lord. If you're going to guard your heart, you got to wait on the Lord. All right? Uh, Proverbs, I'm sorry, Psalms 27, verse 14 says this. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. When you're going through trouble, when, when trouble shows up, you got to learn to do what? Wait on the Lord. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean that you're waiting on him doing nothing, twiddling your thumbs. God, I'm waiting for God to show up. No. 
That doesn't mean you sit down and wait for God to show up. You know that God's already showed up, and you get busy in doing what he called you to do. Well, you say, well, Pastor Lane, I don't know what I should do. Let me, I'll help you out with that. What's the last thing you heard? Whatever the last words you heard was, that's what you continue to do until you get a new word. But Jesus said this, let us go over to the other side. The disciples got into the middle of the, in the, middle of the sea, and a storm arose. And they got afraid. And I can hear Jesus saying, what are y'all tripping on? Didn't I say we're going to make it to the other side? Yes, there are storms in life. Yes, there's problem. There's pain. There's heartache. There's disappointment. There's confusion. There's frustration. But I said, let's go over to the other side. And I mean every word that I say. You may not get there when you thought you were going to get there. It might be a month late. It might be two days late. It might be three days late. But I want you to know, you're still going to make it to the other side. So baby, just keep rowing. You might be against the wind. Just keep rowing. Things don't look good right now. Just hands else another oar and said so we're gonna roar to roar until we get there we're gonna make it until we get there we ain't gonna fake it to make it we're gonna make it look at your neighbors look, look at your neighbor said we're gonna make it all right number three I gotta move on because I'm about to, I'm almost done number three you gotta till your ground you gotta till your ground the Bible says this in Genesis that God did not let it rain because there was no one to till the ground. See, blessings can't come in your life until you learn to till your ground. <laughs> you got to till the ground. It means you got to turn up some stuff. You got to uproot some stuff. You got to pluck up some stuff. You got to till your ground. Let me, can I give you two ways? Am I doing all right? Can I give you two ways to till your ground? Number one, pay attention to what you see. Pay attention to what you see. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not what you see. Pay attention to what you hear, what you hear. Mark, Mark chapter 4, verse 24 says this. He said to them, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured back unto you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Pay attention to what you hear. That's content. Pay attention to the content you're hearing. If you have someone in your life and they're not speaking well with you, pay attention to what you hear. Just because people's mouths are flapping doesn't mean they're saying anything. They may be talking and their gums are bumping, but they may not be saying anything. Pay attention to what you hear. In other words, in other words, I'm not talking about hearing here. I'm talking about hearing here. There's only one access point to your heart. It's based on what you hear. This, the other thing is, is uh, that access point is how, what you meditate on. So when you hear, Pastor Derry, now, you shouldn't start that church. Nobody's going to show up. You're going to have no members. You're going to be there for 20 years with no members. And if you hear that, and then you begin to meditate on that, man, are anybody going to show up? I wonder. Every day you in church, God, you follow the command of God, you look at, is anybody going to show up today? I wonder. And you're meditating on that word. And that word now settles into your garden and it begins to produce fruit. So not only does it go from the people showing up, it goes to, are we going to have enough money? Now it goes to, not only do we have enough money, are we going to have a building? Now it goes to, and now it starts, it starts spreading into other areas. Pay attention to what you hear. The second thing is pay attention to how you hear it. 
Pay attention to how you hear. Not just the content, but the attitude in which you hear. The key is see that what the devil wants you to do, he wants you to meditate on his word. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to meditate on the lies that he's spitting. He wants you to meditate on the falsities that he's spewing. But you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Why? Because I've meditated on the word of God. Now, if I meditate on the word of the devil, whatsoever you do, it won't prosper. (laughs) You will not be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You will be like a tree planted by sand. Mm -hmm. Number four, you got to keep your joy. No matter what you go through, no matter how trouble hits you, keep your joy. Right? Uh, Philippians chapter four, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Number five, you can't worry. Keep your joy. Don't worry. Look at your name and say, don't worry. Don't worry. worry. I'm going to help you out real quick. Two things that you should never worry about. Number one, things you can't change. Don't worry about the things you can't change. Don't worry about the things you can't change. Number two, don't worry about the things you can change. (laughs) Plain and simply, just don't worry. Just don't worry. This part I want to get to. Number five. Number five. Number six. Number six. You got to learn to flip the script. You got to flip the script. Everybody say it. Shout back at me. Flip the script. Uh, Turn to uh, Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13. Your heart is the garden of your life. In Matthew 13, we're told we're given the parable of the sower and the seed. Jesus says the sower goes out to sow. And some fell upon the wayside, and some fell upon stony ground, and some fell upon the thorny ground. And he says that those that fell upon the wayside were trampled underfoot. Those that fell upon the stony ground didn't have enough root to grow. And when the storm, when the the, uh, sun rose up and trials rose up, it it burned it up because there was no root. And then those that uh, were upon the thorny ground, with the thorns choked it out because of the cares of this world. Everybody shout back, flip the script. Flip the script. Listen, we always focus on being good ground. How many of you want to be good ground? Let me see your hands. You want to be good ground? And praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You want to be good ground because your heart is a seed. Your heart is the garden of your life. So whatever seed is sown in good ground will produce. Amen. Amen. Here's, here's what I want to share with you. Write this down. You don't have to be good ground to a bad seed. You don't have to be good ground to a bad seed. So if someone comes with some junk and they lie to you, you don't have to be good ground for that. You don't have to be good ground for someone telling lies and someone doing, saying other things you ain't going to ever make. It. You don't have to be good ground for that. Amen. God ain't ever going to come through for you. You don't have to be good ground for that. How are you going to make it? You don't have to be good ground for that. You got to learn to be wayside. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I said you got to flip the script. you got to learn to be wayside and let the word of God walk on the other word that was spoken in your... Yeah, y'all, y'all missed it. you got to let the, the... See, the wayside, in my mind, represents the authority of God's word because the authority of God's word walks on every other seed that's been planted. So you gotta have, you got to be wayside and let God's word... This is what the, someone says, you ain't going to make it, but the word of God says, I am on top. 
You'll, you'll, you'll never get healed. The word of God says, by his stripes I am healed. You'll never get delivered. The Bible says that he, he bore all my sins. Come on. You got to allow the word of God to become the final authority in your life. And when you do that, everything else becomes wayside. It becomes wayside. Shout back at me and say wayside. It's the authority of the word of God. Okay, maybe wayside's too hard. You got to learn to be stony ground. Bad word comes, you be some stony ground. Jesus said this in Mark, Matthew chapter 7. He says, those that doeth my word, those that hears my word, hear my words and doeth them will be likened unto a wise man which built his house upon the rock. And when the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, it didn't fall. Why? Because it was founded on a rock. When you're stony ground, you have the foundation of the word of God rooted in your life. And when the glory of God rises over the words you're standing on, it burns up the word that was spoken illicitly over your life. <laughs> Come on, somebody. They spoke a word over your life. And because you've been founded on the word of God, you've been founded on God's word, and the glory of God rises up, it begins to burn up everything that's not true in your life. You've got to guard your heart. You've got to guard your heart. You got to say, God, no matter, now, I know, yes, God, my heart's been broken, but I know, God, you have the ability to put it back together again. And I know it may mean I will have to expose myself. I may have to let go of some things, let go of some old memories, some bad pains, and let go of the limits of my life. But God, I need my heart to be healed because I want to live a purposeful life for you. I want to live a powerful life for you. I want to maximize my potential. And the only way I'm going to do that is my heart's been healed. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe you don't, can't be wayside. Maybe you can't be stony ground. You better figure out how to be thorny ground. And choke. Choke out every other word that has been spoken against you. You know what thorny ground represents? So let me say, so, so wayside is the authority of God's word. Stony ground is the application of God's word. And thorny ground to me is the applause of God's word. See, thorny ground to me is when the Lord has been good to me. <laughs> you ain't going to ever make it, but the Lord's been good to me. <laughs> hey, yeah, I, I remember when, I, I think I shared the story, when I came back to California in 1982, everything I owned was in a little army duffel bag. Everything I owned to my name, I didn't have a pot to in. <laughs> Are y'all hearing me? I was all by myself, all alone, but I can look back over my life and say, yeah, but even though I was alone in 1982 as a 17-year-old boy, look at me now, 53, houses and cars, good job, good relationships. Look at me now, not because I'm somebody, but because of what God did. So my testimony because my remembrance of what God is capable of doing. So when someone says, you're never going to make it, you know, I can see what you would say. I would never make it because I don't have the money. I don't have the education. I don't have this. I don't have the credit. I don't have that. I don't have the help. But I have somebody that you may not be aware of. I got something that you may not know about. I got something on the inside. It's called the favor of God. And, and you may not understand the favor of God, but when God's favor shows up, doors open up for me. It's be, it goes beyond education. It goes beyond finances. It goes beyond anything that you can imagine. It's called the favor of God. And it begins to be a testimony, not a testimony. 
And I begin to testify about the goodness of God. And the more I testify, guess what happens to the word that was spoken? You ain't going to make it. It begins to get choked out. It begins to get choked out. It begins to get choked out by his word. It begins to get choked out by his word. I flipped the script. I flipped the script. I don't have to be good ground for a bad seed. I'm reserving my good ground for good seed. Come on, somebody. I'm reserving my good ground because I'm going to produce good fruit. I want to produce good fruit. I want to produce fruit 60, 60, 30, and 100 fold. So I'm reserving my my good ground for God's word. Amen, somebody? I'm reserving it for God's word. Why? Because my heart is the garden of my life. And if I don't take care of my garden, I can't take care of my life. Come on, somebody. If I can't take care of my garden, I can't take care of my life. So no matter what it is, you may have had your heart broken. You're saying, God, maybe it's too late for me. Bad seed. I've, I've, I've learned, I've learned how not to make excuses for my mistakes. I've learned how not to make excuses for my downfalls. I've learned not how, how to not make excuses for my problems. Because all excuses are, are excuses. You're trying to reason out why you didn't do something. So I've learned, and it's not been easy, and sometimes I don't get it right all the time. But I've learned to say, God, it's, it's, I'm just, God, here I am. Here I am, God. And maybe there's a time where a, a, an old seed will crop up. You know, sometimes that happens. I didn't realize that. You thought you dealt with something, and an old seed, an old, old sprout will come up from years ago. Years ago, and it'll sprout. You go, where'd that come from? And you thought you had dealt, you, you, put, the, you put the weed killer all on, and all of a sudden, here it comes. It comes back up again. It was a little bit deeper than what you thought. It was a little bit deeper than what you thought. And God lets it come up again so you can say, i got to go a little bit deeper now. i got to go a little bit deeper. God wants us to live fruitful lives and full lives and full lives. But it all depends upon your heart. Look at your neighbor and say, where's your heart? Where, where is your heart? I want you to realize this. I'm going to take my seat in just a couple minutes. In the beginning, the Bible says that God put Adam in a what? In a garden. I want you guys to understand that God and Adam shared a garden. Did y'all catch that? That God and Adam shared a garden. That God and Adam shared a heart. That God and Adam shared a heart. And when Adam sinned, he broke the heart. And so God guards the garden. 
until there's another man, the last Adam, that comes in and opens the door back to his heart. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Jesus is the catalyst to heal the heart. He is the catalyst to heal the heart. So you can be reconnected with God again. Many of us, my brothers and sisters, listen to me. Many of us are living a fruitful, full life with a broken heart. We're still in want. Can I take a few minutes, Pastor Derry? When you look at the woman in John chapter 4, Jesus goes to the well, noonday, and he sits on the well, and there comes a woman at noonday. Anybody ever been to Vegas? Y'all know how to get to Vegas? This is hotter than Vegas at noon, at the zenith of the, at the, zenith of the sun. She's out carrying a water bucket to get water. Most women would go to the well early in the morning when it was cooler. But she went at the hottest point of the day. And here Jesus is sitting on the well. And he says, I want you to give me something to drink. And she says, what are you? A Jew asking me, a Samaritan, to give you something to drink. And he says, if woman, if you knew who I was, I was asking, for you for, asking you for a drink, you would not ask me for a drink. And the water I would give you will satisfy your soul, however it says it. Then she goes on and says, sir, I perceive you a prophet. Our fathers worship in this mountain, but you Jews say you got to worship in Samaria. Or you Jews say you got to worship in Jerusalem. She says, now the time, the time is coming, and now is. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. It won't, it won't be in Jerusalem or on this mountain. This woman had, had some problems. Her heart was broken. Jesus said to her, he says, woman, go get your husband. She says, well, here's a problem. I don't have a husband. And he said, you've spoken well. You've not had this one. This one ain't your husband. The five other ones you just had ain't your husband. And we focus on that issue. I don't know why church focuses so much on sex. There are a lot of other stuff that goes on beyond sex. Yes. Amen, somebody. Amen. He says, you, you've had five husbands. The one that, husband, the one that you have now is not even yours. She had, her heart was broken. She could never really see all that it was, and it affected everything. She had a racial problem. She said, you a Jew? I'm a Samaritan. She had a gender problem. She said, you a man, I'm a woman. She had a religious problem. She said, I'm a Samaritan, you a Jew. We worship on this mountain. She had a relic problem. Our fathers worshiped here. She was locked in her history, her past. She had a relational problem. I had five, five men and the one I had now ain't mine. A broken heart. See, we've only focused on one issue with this woman. This woman was messed up. But it wasn't until she met the seventh man. Amen. Amen. Are you hear what I'm saying? Amen. One through six couldn't help her. They couldn't deal with her relic problem. They couldn't deal with her relationship problem. They couldn't deal with her religious problem. They couldn't deal with her, her other, all her other problems she had. But when she got to the seventh man, the seventh, the number of completion, that God was able to complete everything that she was looking for. Give me water to drink. And if, if you really understood, you would ask me for a drink. And she finally said, come, let me tell you about a man that I met that told me all that I ever did. He must be the Messiah. She drunk of the water and God healed her. He healed her a broken heart. 
He healed a broken heart. See, a broken heart just isn't about relationships. The way you see God can be a result of a broken heart. The way you talk to people could be a result of a broken heart. And then we say stuff like that. Well, that's just the way I am. Why? 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 Because we don't want to have our hearts healed. It causes too much pain. Gosh. Listen. Let me know when I got to stop. <laughs> Listen. When we worship, worship is to be an experience about transformation and change. Worship isn't a song we sing. Praise, follow me, praise, we talk about God. When we praise, we talk about God. If I were to praise Pastor Derry, I'm talking about him. When we praise God, we talk about God. Praise is horizontal with a vertical element. I praise God to you because I want you to make it. I'm going to give you my testament that God is good. For the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. For the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. And great is his faithfulness. And great is his faithfulness and his mercies endureth forever. See the praise there? I'm talking about God. Worship talks to God. Oh Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever and ever. Oh Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth Forever and ever. You guys see the difference? Words are similar, but different directions. Why do I say that? Because when I enter into worship, that's when God, God says, expose yourself to me. Worship is a response to his call, not a response to a song. But he's calling us and he's inviting us to worship. Why? Because he's saying, your heart is broken. I want to heal your heart, but I can't heal it from afar off. I need you to get into my presence. And when you're in my presence, I can take care of all the pain. When you're in my presence, I can take care of all the trouble. When you're in my presence, I can take care of all the struggle. Oh, Lord, you are good. And your mercies endureth forever. And ever. And God began to worship God. And sometimes I may not know the song. And maybe I just, I just, God, you are good to me. And I thank you for your goodness and your graciousness. God, I thank you for your loving kindness. I thank you, God, how, how you have blessed me. God, I thank you how, how you have poured out your love for me. God, I thank you how you have shed your blood for me. God, I thank you for all the things that you've done for me. God, I just worship you. And in his presence... I said this to my church last week. See, when I'm worshiping Pastor Tammy, God takes me to the altar. It's impossible to get to the altar of God and not have my life altered. He takes me to the altar. And when I get to the altar, that's why worship, I've just went into a whole other direction now. Worship costs you. 
worship costs you. If you if you get into worship, you're not, and there's no price. You may not really be worshiping. You're probably more in praise. Praise is outer court, inner court. Worship is holy of holies. And it costs you. Remember, the pre- oh, man. The priests would go into the holies of holies. They would have to tie a rope around them. They had bells on their skirts so that if they stopped moving and the rope stopped tugging, they know, bruh, messed up. And they can pull him out. Because <laughs> worship cost. Listen, if I could tell you that if you worship God, your pain will go away. Is that not worth the cost? If, you, if I can get you to worship God and not have you deal with the struggle, is that not worth the cost? You losing your struggle and gaining peace? Losing the pain and gaining healing? Isn't it worth the cost? But many of us are afraid. And so we don't worship the way we should. And because we don't go into the places we should go, our lives are never really changed. Saved, but not changed. God delivered you, but you're like the Israelites who were delivered out of Egypt, not equipped enough to go into the promised land. God provides. There's a cloud, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day to comfort you, fire by night to warm you. God's provisions. You're eating every day and you're satisfied with the provisions, but there's a whole nother level of promise available. And because our lives aren't, we aren't willing to be changed, we never really experience the fullness of the promise of God. I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Speaking tongues, everything. They're great. But there's a whole other level that he wants to bring you to. Am I speaking good right now? Amen. 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 Love (laughs) y'all. Love y'all. Baby, baby, go get the car started. Go get the car. No, I'm just kidding. Listen, can I pray? Can we pray? If, if, If you are here today and you're saying, Pastor Lane, my heart's been, it's been run down, run over, and I need to be remembered. Will you just stand? In fact, why don't you just come forward? Just come forward. Just, just wherever you are, whoever you are, just, just come forward. Praise the Lord. That was Pastor Lane Hawkins, Senior Pastor of Neighborhood Baptist Church in San Francisco, California, with a message titled, A Matter of the Heart. If you'd like more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On the site, you're going to find more information about us, our events and ministry calendar. You'll also find other messages that may be of interest to you by myself, our visiting pastors, or any of our associate pastors. Once again, that website is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to catch you on our next podcast. Until then, please remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.